This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Club in Real Life, our live event in San Diego, March 12th through the 14th. Get your tickets now at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash PCCIRL. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 172 as we chat with copywriter and product creator Allison Gower about how she became a copywriter, her first big solo product launch, how she's changed the work she does over time, launching a podcast, and running a business while moving across the country. Welcome, Allison. Hey, mates. How's it going? <laughs> good. <laughs> it's always good with you. It's always good. So we are so excited to have you here um, to talk more about your story. So let's kick it off with how you became a copywriter. Oh, my life in a summary. Yes, let's go. <laughs> so a long story short, I was always... I was always making up ads and writing as a kid and doing all these things that I had no idea would actually lead to something later in life, right? Like I think a lot of us copywriters and people in brand, we look back as kids and are like, oh, yeah. Can we, so I don't, we don't normally interrupt you in the story, but ads as a kid, like what were you writing <laughs> ads of? Um, me and my best friend in elementary school, <laughs> we came up with this candy bar and we called it a knitwit bar. And we created the packaging. Like we actually made a bar and created the design. And then we created commercials for it. And then we had a school project where you you honestly you didn't really have to do very much, but we went real hard and then created a commercial and performed it. So we would do stuff like that all the time for fun. And yet it took me, you know, another two decades to figure out what I wanted to do, which is kind of funny because it should have been obvious. <laughs> so doing stuff like that, majored in English, minored marketing, was working in production. So it sounds glamorous to say we had headsets and, you know, we're in LA working on shoots and all the things. Um, but what I discovered was even though there was a lot I loved about the production world, commercials and photo shoots and all the things, I always felt this jealousy almost of the agencies we worked with, because sometimes we'd partner with them and we'd be storyboarding and saying, oh, here are the words. This is what the brand should be. And then we'd you know, take our stuff and go make the commercial happen. And I always felt like, oh, the fun part was in the room that we just left. And uh, I think sometimes a little bit of, we feel that envy or sadness, like that shows what we're supposed to be doing. And it was one of the gents who would be in these storyboarding sessions who were on a shoot one day and I saw him taking notes and I didn't know his exact role, right? I just knew he was in those rooms, in the storyboard meetings. And I asked him, Joe, like, what is it? You, like, what do you do? Like, what's your actual specific title? And he said, I'm a copywriter. And that's the moment that changed my life because I asked him what that meant specifically in his role 
And from there on out, I basically stalked him a little bit. I'm like, let me get coffee with you. Took his first workshop. And I spent eight months uh, while still working in production, getting up at 3 a.m. for sunrise shoots, running around getting Perrier for clients. Um, real wild times, y'all. Real wild times. Um, every weekend, uh, every day after work, learning everything I could about copywriting on YouTube and podcasts and got my first freelance gigs. My first one was off Craigslist. Yes, seems janky, but totally was legit. Um, and then went freelance after eight months, turned it into a business and Rob and Kira, here we are. Here's life. Yeah. Before we get to today's <laughs> life, like I, I want to jump back just a little bit to like those first couple of projects. You know, I'm guessing that a lot of people listening struggling to find, you know, their first clients or they found the first one or two, but then they struggled to, to do more. So talk about how you found that first client. Like what, what was it that you did in order to get that janky, you know, almost janky <laughs> client? Uh, but then like, how did you turn that into client number two and client number three? Oh, y'all, it was super strategic as in really scrappy. So not, not fancy at all. Um, my first client I found on Craigslist and because I started interviewing copywriters, like I was very lucky to be in this production world where I was meeting with copywriters and I would just ask them on the side, by the way, how did you get your clients? I would, you know, just question, I would take notes on everything that they said. Um, so basically like your podcast before I think your podcast existed. So going around and finding and hunting these people down and someone said, this sounds weird, but go on Craigslist. So I figured, what do I have to lose? So on Craigslist, there was a lot of things like, you know, your gut goes off, your gut knows, okay, that's a weird, sketchy situation. <laughs> um, so I kept, I just went through every day until I found one that I felt I could actually be a fit for. Did it feel natural? Absolutely not. Because if you've never charged for your own writing before, you don't really know what you're doing, what pay you're supposed to expect and all these things. But it was for a blog and it was about my neighborhood where I already lived. And they wanted someone local to put out blogs and posts and they were charging by the word. And I went, okay. I was Googling, do you charge by the word, right? Looking at the things and figured this is something I could do. And so I wrote an email where I sounded like I already knew what I was doing. I'm not going to like fall on. This is why you should hire me. I'm going to crush this for you. Here's all the reasons. Did it like went through all the things with a very confident email, even though I did not feel super confident and got that. My second client, y'all, this is so scrappy. I was uh, on a, I was dating someone for just a couple of weeks and he had a friend come meet us for pizza with a group hang situation. And I just was starting to say I was a writer. I was just saying it to people like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I work in production. I'm a writer on the side. I write. And I just kept saying it because I figured if I kept saying it, I would feel more and more it was true because I knew I could write. It was just I hadn't been paid much for it before. And his friend turned out worked at an agency and said, oh, we need freelance writers all the time. And he got me my second gig, this random friend. So... The lesson, I suppose, in this is sometimes it really is just speaking up all the time about what you do. Because I only had literally one client, but I spoke like I was doing more with confidence. Because I knew I could do it if I got the chance. I knew I could. I just needed someone to take a chance on me. Yeah, it's almost like speaking to where 
you want to go speaking about like your future title. I mean, even though you'd already had your first project, you were really like forecasting the direction you wanted to take your career and you weren't shying away from saying that. So it started to come to you and, and worked out that way. Um, I, so who was the original, the copywriter guy that you originally asked, Hey, like, what do you do on set? Do you, have you kept track of him? Yeah, I went to his housewarming party actually a couple years later because I moved and it turned out uh, the house that him and his wife bought was down the street from my apartment. So it was funny. I totally, yeah, still saw him. Now he's doing, his name is Joe Nefsinger. Joe, what's up? Uh, he's actually inv- done another business now where he has the stand up desk company, which is interesting that he was, as a copywriter, always you know he sat a lot so he had i remember the first time i saw his office he had put together a stand-up desk like he had was making his own and now years later he's um he's selling them and they're doing great so it's interesting how copywriting can spark these other businesses for people we'll need to get a hookup and get him on the show to share his part of that story and his journey too um to connect this all full circle So I want to go back to production time because I, you know, I had friends in New York City who like were in production. They worked crazy hours and I was always wondering like, how, how do they do it? Um, So I know it's intense and it's shaped probably, you know, who you are. What are some lessons you pulled away from that time in production that have helped you build your business today? Oh, sweet mercy, Kara. Yes, I have some really exact definitions that I really want to infuse into the listener so you don't have oh, to do okay. four or five day shoots that are really long morning till night days. Um, no, I love production. It's definitely really high energy and intense, but the lessons I took away in between the Red Bulls, I'm not really a Red Bull drinker, but you know, that's an honest part of the answer. Like there's on those days, there's definitely a cooler full of ice and Red Bulls and coffee, Starbucks, espresso, double shots, and they get pounded hard. So a few of my main lessons are one, the worst someone can say is no. It's literally the worst possible thing that can happen. So production, that made me fearless because I'm definitely not fearless, but it took down a lot of fear that I think a lot of people when we start a business have. The fear to ask someone for advice or to, for to book the call or all the things because I had to do so much weird crap and ask for the most outrageous things and it just sort of numbed me in a way so here's an example we had this shoot and we needed a model train set it was a, a all prop based shoot but because of the budget we really couldn't afford to get this custom antique, this beautiful train set the client wanted, right? They're very expensive. And so the urge for me was, okay, Allison, go and get this and try and spend $0. And I'm like, okay, how do I get this really high-end train set for someone to give it to us for a couple days for free? And second part, each caboose needs to be these colors, And the front and back end specifically need to be these colors. Like there were specifications on exactly what the train had to look like. So I'm like, okay, I'm on Craigslist. I'm on eBay. I'm calling collectors, right? All these things. And also if you're a train collector, how willing are you to give up this train collection you love even for a few days or for a cheap rental fee? 
So I had to really also think outside the box often because I'd be in situations like this going, okay, I have to make this happen. And remember, we were a really small team. So it's not like you could ask for tons of support from the people around you because everyone was hauling butt to do their own task. So you really have to figure it out, you know, a lot for yourself. And we were a team, but you definitely try not to burden your friends and your colleagues. So I realized, okay, well, there's a museum with trains in nearby where I work. And I pitched them and put it as, oh, we'll feature your museum to do all these things. And I just said it with really confidence, like, oh, of course you would let us use them. It's not a big deal. And, you know, tried to make it sound nonchalant instead of a begging, oh my gosh, please let us. And, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They actually let us use the train set. It turned out the company we were working with was a funder of the arts and supported them. So it was this beautiful full circle. And I, when I went down there with champagne to say extra thank you, they actually gave us a second set of trains as a backup to oh you. Oh my gosh. And so I think, so also champagne, oftentimes it's the little things that actually make a big difference. That's something I've really taken away because maybe someone's lending you something for free or they're letting you film in front of their house, even though it's definitely really annoying, but you bring them a sandwich and having little things in your business like thank you emails or handwritten cards, these little pieces, that's what people remember. And so even if you feel like you were this huge burden, people remember that small thing you did. So to work that those little moments into your business is huge. Let's talk about where your business is today. So, you know, going from you know, production to those first clients on the side, then you went full time. And, you know, how has your business evolved since then? The business has evolved massively. The first few years, I was really in a freelance mindset. And, you know, I think freelance is a word. There's a lot of controversy um, on the internet about it has positive connotation and negative connotation. For me, I think it's more freelancer. It felt like it had a different meaning for me. So when I was on the run and people were saying, oh, you're a freelancer, I was getting thrown more small hourly projects um, or even flat rates, but things where I would always end up over delivering and spending so much time that I don't even want to really calculate what my hourly rate ended up being. So I think the first few years were, it was still powerful, right? Because I'm sure if you're listening, if you're new or if you've been in the game longer, you at the start, you don't know exactly what you want to do. And so by doing all these tiny little projects across tons of industries, um, from blogs to websites, and then I accidentally started doing PR and pretty quick was like, why am I doing PR? This is stressing me out so much. Even though I was getting placements on NPR and ABC, just again, really scrappy. I was just tweeting at people and creeping basically till I got placements, but um, that they agreed to on a stock way. But I think it helped me figure out oh, this is my actual niche. So once I realized, oh, people are hiring me, the favorite clients, I realized why they were hiring me and that helped me go from freelancer to really focusing and becoming more of a business owner. And the way I found that out 
And for anyone who has not done this yet, oh, I urge you to to do this. And or if once you get those dream clients, once I had clients who felt like such a perfect fit, like I could work on them all day, every day. It was such a I loved getting their emails, seeing their names pop up. I asked if I could take 15 minutes of their time and called them and asked them questions. Why did you hire me? What did you love about working with me? And that can feel super scary because you're like, what if all this negative feedback unleashes on me <laughs> like a tidal wave? But um, it just it ended up actually proving and showing myself what I was supposed to do. And I turned out I did not know because every single favorite client had a response that really shocked me. Every client said, oh, I love that you gave my personality. Like I finally sound down to earth and sassy, uh, but still expert. And I went, that's just the fun part. Like in my mind, that was this little side ad note. You know, that wasn't because it was too fun for me. If it's so fun, how could this be a niche? And y'all, that's what it turns out. So now my niche is literally unleashing personality, especially for brands that want to sound more witty and down to earth and often sassy. Okay. So clearly like niching down, figuring out your specialty has helped you greatly. What else has been, I mean, a quote unquote game changer in your business? What has helped you take it to the next level? Or maybe there are a couple factors. Yeah. A couple factors that are super clear. One for me was joining a co-working space because I've worked in a couple now. So yes, I moved to New York City. First thing on the list. Well, okay. Number three, the first thing was to get a library card, but then to join a co-working space. um, Just for me, I know it's not for everyone, but it really helps me separate work life and has this legitimate feel to it. Like when I go into my office, it makes me feel like more of a business owner versus being at home. And again, I totally know copywriters that are not into that. I'm also very extroverted. So sitting at home alone is... Sounds great. It actually kills my <laughs> my soul. It's like if I was made up of horcruxes, it would take out three of them. Sorry, Harry Potter reference. So I, for me, getting a co-working space really helped me feel more legitimate. Um, so it's something I totally recommend trying just to see how you feel if you've been thinking about it. Because even if it's an investment, I definitely made that money back because I think I, I feel like I worked almost faster more motivated when I was at an office. And then two, absolutely was finally investing in a couple of things. One was a brand, like a designer actually getting fancy photos done and a logo. Like Rob Kira, when I saw my logo, I mean, we still had months to go in the branding process, but even just that, when I saw a logo, it was such a click of wow, like this is a business. Damn. Like it really changed how I saw myself. So that process um, definitely was really powerful. And then uh, rewriting my website because to actually put aside time and really get into, okay, now I know who I am to spend time writing the copy because as copywriters, we tend to do everybody else's we're like always writing, writing, writing. So by the time we get to 4 p.m. and we're two coffees deep and it just doesn't happen. So I set aside days where I 
really actually like went through, okay, what I want my site to look like and wrote through it from this really intentional point of view um, versus before I was just burnt out writing between clients. So tired out. And finally, coaching. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like actually investing and beyond courses because I done, I done courses and courses are great um, and they're definitely really important. But I think also someone who you can ask questions to, even if it's just in a group setting, Q&A, having a coach who would say things like, Allison, that's a great idea. Sometimes just validating because you know how it is. Like Robin Carrot, you're especially if you do this for a couple of years, when you're your own boss, it's great, but there's also no one above you to help give you feedback and confirm and validate you. So having that coaching, absolutely valuable. So my first one I invested in was with Tarzan K. I did her mastermind. And then Laura Belgray, I was in her shrimp club. And of course, Robin Kira, I'm now in Think Tank. So it's also like a never-ending process. Like the more I get coached, the more I'm like, coach me more. So definitely game change. And no, they did not ask me to say that, but it's true, y'all. <laughs> I, I am in Think Tank and it's a fact and it's great. That's very nice of you to say that. Um, <laughs> you were talking about how you chose your niche. And I am curious what your process is for helping clients figure out you know, their personality and how to broadcast that to the world. What are the steps that you have to go through in order to pull something like that out of a client like me? Pulling out brand personality is so fun and a lot easier than people expect. Um, I think especially as copywriters, so a lot of my students actually are copywriters. And I think what's the hardest part is when we're in this copy and brand space, we're always doing it for others. So the most important thing is, first of all, is literally like to block out time to do yours because it's just so easy to get wrapped up in our clients because we care and we're passionate and we want to do a great job, but it does take time. You can't go inward and figure out who you are if your email alert is popping up every five minutes for your client. So setting aside at least a day or a few days to start where you're like, okay, these days I'm not going to do client work, even if it's just, just for like three, four hours, and I'm going to literally go in whoop, me mode. Now, when it comes to pulling out personality, there's a couple things I love to do. These are super specific strategies you could do as soon as today. Um, and they're objective because it's really hard to look at yourself and go, what's my personality? So these are objective research methods. Okay. So one this is a question that I ask people on my podcast, and it's there's a reason. I ask people, if you were a clothing brand or a designer, who would you be? Or who would you be? Like, what's your favorite brand, a brand you like? Like, even just as simple as that. Like, what's your favorite clothing brand? Because- Wait, 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 Rob, what did you say on the podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure I- Did I answer this question? It probably would have been like Chuck Taylor's Converse, because that's kind of yeah, the thing that I wear- I, I mean, I, don't, I probably actually, I said, I don't actually buy my own clothes. So I have no idea because I'm, you know, I just, I hate shopping. So my wife always just buys me stuff. You know, and that it's funny, like, okay, that's part of it, right? You have this, sim like that you're simple, Chuck Taylors, even that says a lot about you, that you like simple, straightforward, and you work with SaaS companies and you kind of have this very targeted brand. Like I help SaaS get more money. Boom. Like it's, 
it's straightforward, like your brand is. Um, and your writing style is very crisp to the point. It's not fancy. It's not showy. It's not Betsy Johnson, which I'd be more surprised if you were Betsy Johnson. Yes. Yeah, um, I don't even know who Betsy Johnson is, but now I'm curious. <laughs> now I'm curious. Kara, what did you say? Like, what, what would you answer? Betsy Johnson. <laughs> no. Um, no, I said Tori, Tori Birch, Trina Turk. It's more like patterns, prints, modern vibe, a um, bit more personality. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm personality free. That's kind of my <laughs> Absolutely not. It's just, it's just different. And the, well, no, Chuck's have personality. Your shoes do. definitely have personality. Your socks have personality too. That's true. Although it's not really a brand. It's just whatever, you know. Ah. Bacon socks. But Rob, that's also that you have that that personality when you have the wild socks. It's just a little bit hidden. It's underneath pants. Exactly. And I feel like that is kind of like your brand too, because it's more straightforward. But then Rob, we get to know you. We get you on the you're you know you're on your podcast, and you're like, oh, this Rob guy's funny. You know, it's like you bring it out subtly. It's hidden. And and then he's even funnier <laughs> in person, where you're like he's cracking jokes left and right, but he yeah. hides it sometimes. Yeah, you're all right. Enough about Rob. It's strategic. We're targeting you. We're targeting. <laughs> no, so so for mine, for example, I'm Kate Spade, 150. percent So oh, yeah, okay. Kate Spade cool. is me in a store. Like I walk into Kate Spade, and my soul is home. So for what I would do, for example, and I've done this, is go to the Kate Spade website and read through. So looking at the product descriptions, looking how they describe things, look at their about page um, and take start looking at the phrases and studying the phrases I like. And even just having a document and copying and pasting those snippets. And I'm telling you, I read that website and hell yeah, it's freaking me. Like I love the way they describe, you know, sassy, chic, yet polished, um, quirky, yet da-da-da. Like, it's all things I would t- I totally relate to. So when I have my students do this, they have the same thing. I've had people who are anthropology, REI, you know, Patagonia. And when you go through that website and start to see, oh, I relate to that copy, it totally starts to get you outside your own head and even just starts to give you phrases that describe you. And then on top of that, like I mentioned before, going to your past clients and asking about why they chose to work with you, I always add another question. If you had to describe me in three to five words, what would they be? And it has to be three to five. Like if they give you nine, you go, no, 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 three to five. Because nine words is just a general list of, of attributes. But when they have to really cut it down to like four words, that's really the core of what people see in you. And you'll be surprised how often other people's, all your clients' words will actually be very similar, or you'll have at least a couple common denominators. So then when you're writing, you're with your personality, it really helps to guide you. So if you're getting words like zen, calm, chill, you're like, okay, I need to look up synonyms for that. Like, I need a calm theme. Maybe I can talk about massages. Or if you get words like quirky, sassy, you know, zesty. Zesty was my number one word. Yes. Like was my number one word. I'm like, okay. Wait, clients said you were zesty. Yes. Wow. They, yes. That's, That's what awesome. I, you know what though? Also, side note, or not side note, actually important. Give your clients a list of adjectives. Like don't just ask them from nothing because you don't want 
oh, she's smart. Oh, he's so awesome. Like that's not helpful. So a list of really specific, like describe happy or joyful, but give them like five synonyms because the nuances say so much about who you are. So I gave tons of words. My top three words, (laughs) zesty, savvy, like business savvy, And then three was saucy, guys. And I was like, why am I getting all these food words? Like zesty, like I'm lemon zest and then I'm sauce. But then I really, you know, got quiet again. I put aside a day and really went deep on, okay, what do these words really say about me? And it was like, oh, because I add flavor to your copy. Okay, now it makes sense. Like I spice up words. Okay, that's my purpose. So for you listening, when you ask this, really take some time to look at the words that connect and go, oh, this is what people see in me. And it's so helpful for how you write about yourself. Absolutely. Where have you seen either your clients or even other copywriters kind of mess this whole personality driven copy thing up? Where do they go wrong? Oh, sweet mercy. So this is something that actually Rob, uh, Rob, when he's on my podcast, we talked about and personality does not mean like always humor or going, Hey girl. I mean, I've had people I've worked with or students who have said, I want to sound more like me, but they always have this fear. I can, I can tell when people are about to ask this question every time I go, don't worry. Personality is not, yo girl, what's up cutie? Like Saying two words with an exclamation point is not, (laughs) that's some sort of greeting, is not personality. Like, that's not what personality is. Um, And that's what I I often have seen when people are trying to add it. Personality is really going, okay, when you're on the couch with a friend and you're eating snacks and you're just being yourself, how do you sound? Like, what's your vibe? To me, that's what personality is. Um, So it's really getting back to who you are, even if it's not what you see online. So for a long time, I tried to write more formal and um, I don't even say formal, but almost like tech savvy because I'm from the world of Silicon Valley. Um, You know, my family, my dad is a coder. And to me, that was being a serious business owner, right? Like that's what business was. So sounding just releasing what you think anything is that you're supposed to sound like, including humor. Like you don't have to be sassy like me. My copy is punny and it's it's kind of ridiculous, right? It is. It's ridiculous. Um, but that's not yours might be something totally different, like like the Zen, chill, maybe you have yoga teacher vibes and because you're a yin yoga teacher or you target health and wellness. So they don't necessarily want super sassy. So getting back to who are you on the couch? How do you sound like? And one way to help with that too, sometimes to go through your text messages to friends. So not to your clients, not emails, but just how do you text to your friends? And how can you bring a little bit more of that vibe into your copy? So once you have that, like, how do you help clients then project that into the world? Is it just the choice of words that they have? Or do you even go deeper with images, colors, that kind of stuff? Oh, it goes so much deeper. Um, I think before colors, before images, to me, that is really, really the last step. It's yes, okay, who am I? But then a couple different steps. One, What type of business do you actually want? So one thing I've said to my students is, 
Okay, your website is a vision board for the business you want, not the business you have. So when you're going to write your website or write your emails or anything really, but especially with your website, you know, what is, where is it you want to be in a year or two? Because that's what you want to write to. You want to write the words that create that. So what's the type of business you have that's also going to fit for your personality? So for example, I'm an extrovert and spending all this time behind the screen was starting to affect me, honestly. Like I was feeling more anxious. I felt like my mental health was kind of going down because I, being behind a screen all day alone is just not meant for my personality type. And so my business models, I thought about, okay, what's the type of business I want to have? I was like, I really want to interact with people and other humans. And that's why I started doing day rates. Now I have a group program. I knew I could not be solo behind a screen alone. So when it comes to your personality and writing about it, where do you want to be? And not with no ifs, buts, maybes, but I would write through this. Even if you've done this before, I would check back in and go, you know, really in two years, what would I love to be doing based on what makes me happy and lights me up? Not even what brings in money because I think it's easy for us to go, oh, but I have clients paying me to write sales pages. What is it you would love to be doing? And then once you get more clear on what the business model is, and where you want to be working towards, because that's going to influence your words, right? If you talk about, I'm an extroverted copywriter on your website, there's got to be kind of a reason. So for me, I talk about it because I love day rates and I love working live with people. So it makes sense. But I would make sure to do the right research to speak to your target market. Because a big mistake I see is we're often as copywriters so focused on doing other people's work that we throw up our own side a little bit more and we don't do research for ourselves. So here's one of my favorite strategies I highly recommend. As you're like, this is my personality. Okay, in a year to two years, this is what I want to work towards, this type of business. Think about that type of ideal client you probably want to have. Go to YouTube and think about, okay, this is the problem I want to solve. So maybe right now you're writing... You're writing blogs, but you want to be in a launch copywriter. You're like, oh, I really would love to work on launches and emails and sales pages. I would go to YouTube and type in, okay, how to write a sales page, how to write a how to write launch copy. Think about what your target person might be researching. Click enter, right? See what the first few videos are. Then click the first two videos and scroll down. The topic actually does not matter. Like the content doesn't matter. The video doesn't matter. I mean, it might be helpful, but not the point of the exercise. And start reading through the comments because those comments are a gold mind of copy. If you have people commenting, like people when they comment on YouTube, they don't really think anyone's watching. So when they write, it's from a truly honest place. And when they're writing from honesty, they're sharing their real vulnerable pain points. So someone is like, ah, this is so helpful, but I still don't know how to write a subject line. Boom. This is copy and research. You can start infusing into your website, into your emails, into your social media copy of projecting to that audience. So you're sharing your personality, whether it's right Zen or funny or whatever, but you also have to combine personality 
with persuasion and audience research. So back to that example where you're going, okay, like, have you done all this research but still don't know how to come with the subject line? Great. Here's my freebie, da-da-da. So making sure you still do the client research for yourself is so important because it so often gets left behind, especially for copywriters, ironically. Yeah, and that's such a great idea about using YouTube to pull those comments. I haven't, you know, I've done Amazon and gone through forums and Facebook groups, but I haven't really scoured YouTube to pull that data. So that's a great tip. So Allison, you hinted at your group program. I want to hear more about that. So what was the catalyst even for creating, launching a group program other than being an extrovert, right? Like that definitely (laughs) satisfies that need. But what else, like what else um, shaped that program? And then I'd love to just also hear about your launch, like what it took to actually launch and fill your own program. Oh, yes. Titillating question, Kira. So my group program, the first step was my day rates. So I'll definitely touch on those too because it's the journey. And I know a lot of copywriters, I think day rates are coming up more, but they can be a scary leap. So for day rates, I started them because I was getting all these different queries like, oh, I have this website. I really want to work with you, but it's already kind of written. I don't like, can you just review it or just do some of it? I, you know, all these piecemeal sort of projects where they didn't need a totally from scratch brand writing situation, but I still wanted to work with them and help them. And then I had done the mastermind with Tarzan and she, day rates were a big thing for her. Um, that was how she was working with most of her clients. So I talked to her about it and she's like, just do it, you know, just go for it, try one, see how it goes. So I I just put up a day rate page and was like, this is my day rate, this is how it works, here's how it goes down. You know, I had a full map of how the day looked, this page that looked all official. And y'all, again, I had never actually done one before, but I had this feeling I knew I could do it. So I would put up a page that looked legit. And then the first person who we did a session, um, I started the price a lot lower because my main goal was just to get a feel for it, see how they went and go from there. And I wanted to feel confident selling it, not you know put a higher price point because I knew I wouldn't feel confident selling it. Uh, I wanted to make sure I could over deliver. So this, I told her how it worked. Um, okay, I'm going to give you homework and then we're going to get on the Zoom call. We're going to kick it off and then I'm going to write the words and then present it to you because I write live in that day. So that's how my day rate works. We do a Zoom call, write the words, and then it ends on a Zoom call where we review the copy and we do live edits. And we did the first day rate and I loved it. I love the energy. I love the fast pacedness of it. And so I kept offering more and more. And every few months I would raise the price and I still do that. Um, the price is about to go up. Like I just continually raise it as there's more leads for it. Um, and my time now with the group program especially takes up more of the schedule. But where it really led to the group program was I found that one, the price was going up. So there was people who I wanted to serve, but I knew wouldn't necessarily be able to do the day rate or wouldn't feel comfortable. But also more importantly, 
I felt like I was really speaking the same strategies, tips, all the things again and again. So I'd have one to two day rates a week and I felt like I just want to gather you all up and tell you the same formulas because most people think personality is a formula. Um, And really with the right research and steps, to me, it's a science. Like in my head, it's this A plus B equals boom. Look, you sound fun. So I just kept doing this so often that it really sparked wanting to do a group program, especially as I'd been in several at that point and I knew the power of group programs and I really, really believed in them. And I thought if I believe in them so much and I see that this problem keeps happening and I know I can teach it, why am I not doing it? And the answer let's be real, was fear, right? Like I've always been the student. I love being a student. Um, And it was, yeah, it was fear of becoming the teacher and being, stepping into that role. And so Kira, (laughs) let's be real, Kira, I had had a lot of inspiration from my previous teachers. And then we were at, in Charleston, we'd been masterminding all day and we were at this bar. I think I was sipping a gin and tonic and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've I've run this idea by a few people and they've cheered me on and I, I know I'm supposed to do it. Like people believe in me, like Tars and K's, I do it. Laura Belgrade's, I do it. Robin Kara, like do it, you know, but there's still like the stuckness of it. Um, I think like, how do I actually, and even just revealing it, right? I was so scared and I'm like telling this to a group and Kira, you like lean over and you just point in my face Allison, you could launch this tomorrow and it would fill up. You need to launch it ASAP because I had said maybe next year. And Kira's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, you need to do this right now. When are you, you going to set a date? And it like all the feelings. Oh my gosh, my stomach flipped like I was at a Disneyland roller coaster situation. And I went, a date. And you're like, I want a date right now. <laughs> Okay, I don't think I sounded that Just angry. I had a couple drinks, so maybe I was that angry. No, I don't it's know. the best way. Not, it wasn't angry. It was just direct, right? You're just like, when are you going to set a date? And I think in my head, it got it was louder, honestly. <laughs> to me, that was such a scary question. And you're right. You're like, what's your date? But it was just so, right? You were not letting me get away, which I loved. And I was like, by October. And you're like, excellent. <laughs> Totally. Um, And it worked because I think that's also oftentimes, especially with copywriters, we keep so much inward because we're so focused on helping others launch and write about their services, which is beautiful. But we sort of stuff our own stuff down because we're used to writing for other people. And, you know, along the way, we become not therapists, but there's a lot of business therapy when we copyright for people, right? Encouraging others. So sharing our own goals and dreams, whew, it like is very scary to start with. So yeah, after that, and after I'd said it, I felt like I was accountable. I was like, oh shoot, I said I'm going to do this by October. Okay. So, and after how I, after that, it was already, okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. And as with everything, I realize now that I keep telling you about my business. One of the first people I told about this program, I just told her it was happening. Like, 
I just said it like, I had this group program. It's going to be coming out because she came to me and I could already tell she was this perfect fit. Like I told her about my day rates, but I could see she, she would really benefit from a group program where she actually had time to go through her own process, figure out her message, hone her personality, learn all these strategies, you know, go through the YouTube, like right, do the process herself. I saw that for her. So literally on the call, Robin Kira, I should tell her this actually, I should tell her, um, I'm going to email her. I said, oh, or I have this group program. It's coming up in the next month and here's how it works. And I think you'd be a perfect fit. And she goes, oh, actually, I think your group program would be perfect. <laughs> so she's like, put me on your wait list. And that's how it started. Um, and then I marketed it and, <laughs> and apparently it worked. So let's get a little deeper on that process of, you know, you have the idea, you have Kira there cheerleading you saying, you got to get it done and setting the date, which is awesome, but uh, it's still an idea. And, and then you sold it to a customer, a client, but at that point, it's still an idea. So what was the process of actually creating the program? Did you sell it and then create it on the fly as you went? Did you map it all out? Like what, what did that whole process look like? Yeah, happy to map out exactly what I, I did. So it was kind of a combination. It was partially mapped and partially on the fly because oh, for you listening, like anytime you launch a new thing um, or you decide to go group, you know way more than you think you know. Um, because as soon as I actually had that date in mind and started to think, okay, I would want to teach people this and that and lead them through these processes. Um, I realized I actually kind of had that map in my head already of, oh, I would need to, I want to help them write the about page and I want to help them write the home. But first I would need to do, you know, that time digging into the brand, doing the research. So I went, okay, that's module one, boom. And then module two, okay, people really trip up on their about page. I get really, really is so hard for most people because to summarize yourself, whether you've been doing this for six months or 20 years is really challenging for your own self. So I definitely want to make home and about the first focuses and spend lots of time there. Okay, what next? Their services, their offer. A lot of people, once I work with them, I know they tend to change their services because they realize once we actually map it out that they're offering way too many things. So that'll be its own module. And then the fourth part, there's all these little add-ons I want people to know about that they often miss. Like the 404 page, the contact page, there's all these elements of those pages that are so important, yet most people think of as a, you know, last hurrah. Woo -woo. Um, so I went through that in my head and went, great four weeks, four modules. That's what it'll be. So I did map it out and kind of walk through what I want to talk about in each of them. But I really wanted to focus, I decided I would focus on the marketing first and just getting people in and then creating the content. So for two reasons. One, you know, with pre-selling something, you're really getting to see one, if it works, right? How many people are actually in this? Two, who joins? Because it I know for me, it definitely influenced how I created the program when I actually saw who was in it. Like seeing the type of industries that joined, the personalities that joined. And a lot of them, I mean, I was on Instagram DM with people. I was DMing back and forth when they were saying, 
oh, I'm not sure if I should join. Is this a good fit for me? And I would ask, you know, what their struggle was. So by gathering all this information, I was able to work it into the program after it had already been sold. And three, I think with the information week by week, I honestly did it week to week. So I would do the first round and I have a Facebook group and I would encourage people to post questions, share struggles, and one that created community, but also it really helped me go to the next module because as copywriters, there's so much we do that we realize once we start teaching, we're just used to doing. We don't even see it as a step to teach because we just do it automatically. So people would go, oh, can you clarify this? Or, oh, when you said that, it sparked a thought and I kept having to realize, oh, I need to teach even more granularly. So week by week, I would make, I would literally, I would teach week by week. I was creating the thing. I'm not going to like, it's, I think it looked more fancy and put together from the outside because it did, we had scheduled dates. Like I told people, here are all the training dates. Here's when each module comes out. Here's when each homework comes out. So it was organized, but no, it was definitely made on the fly. <laughs> so if you create something, it can be on the fly. Yeah, I mean, that's how we, when we built the accelerator, the copywriter accelerator, the first time we built it out module by module every two weeks, dripping the new the new um, content each, every two weeks. And that really helped us move forward with it. Uh, so my last question for you about the launch is really around like how to fill it, because I think it's easy to listen and hear you talk about the idea and like the, how you actually created the content. But it's really intimidating for a lot of copywriters to fill it. They feel like they need a big list um, and to get enough people in, or they don't feel like they can do that. So they just don't launch it. How were you able to do it? And what advice would you give to a copywriter that wants to launch a beta program of some sort and uh, is nervous about filling it up? Well, I am preaching right from this mic to your earbuds listening because I was nervous, right? I was like, whoo, I mean, my nerves were on fire, like Thanksgiving turkey on fire, right? Throughout the launch, especially in the beginning. Um, I knew if I could get at least a few people in, one, that would be a start. It's still beta. I was like, even if four or five people are in, okay, that's fine. It doesn't have to be huge, but also that it would give me the confidence. So I'm like, Mentally, I wasn't thinking, how do I fill 10, 20 spots? It was, how do I just get like four humans to put down their visa into this program? So what I did, a couple of things was one, like I mentioned, the first few people I sold, they, it wasn't like this fancy launch. It wasn't like all the emails. Like, yes, that, that did get some people. I also have a tiny email list, Right. It's not, it's not massive at all. Like I only just reached a thousand people, but that's, I've now been running Facebook ads. Like when I launched, I didn't even have, I don't think I even had like a few hundred, 500, right? Small. So um, I was just like, would be on a sales call with someone who had been referred. And instead of presenting the day rate, I would say, oh, I have this day rate. It costs a lot more money. I also really don't know if you're the best fit. I really do think you could benefit from this full brand messaging process. Like, honestly, here's my group program. It's beta. And I really emphasized 
This is the beta group, so I'm doing it super cheap. It'll never be this price again. And you're going to get tons of one-on-one time with me um, in a way that might not exist going forward. And yes, it's beta, so there's stuff I'm learning and figuring out and I'm making it on the fly, but you're going to get this great price. So I think if you're launching the first time, emphasizing beta and really talking about how it's the lowest price it'll ever be definitely makes a difference. And just pitching it on sales calls. Um, not It doesn't have to be giant webinars. I did not do a webinar. So the first few people were just sales calls that I converted them into the group program instead of choosing a from scratch offer. Uh, second, I emailed people uh, who did not ask about the program, um, who did not, you know, I had, I did promo, I did promo emails and everything. I did have a launch process, but um, I just went after people that I felt would be a good fit. Maybe I'd spoken to them six months ago, a year ago, or honestly, never even freaking worked with them, like to be truth be told. And I made them videos on BombBomb. So BombBomb is a video platform that I learned from Tarzan, who's my mentor and now client. And she preaches about it a lot, so I have to call her out for it. And I would send them these videos where I would tell them why they should do my group program. And it was personalized to them. So it would be like, Kira, I hope you're doing so awesome. Just checking in because we spoke six months ago. And I know we didn't move forward working together, but you know, I actually have a way cheaper way to work with me now. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. I think you'd be the perfect fit. Here's why. And I would send them these videos and it totally worked. Like a couple of people went, you know what? I have wanted to work on the website. It just wasn't a good time then. Shoot, this is the cheapest it's ever going to be. Okay. And they accepted the offer. Uh, the third thing I did was with emails, also on social media, I really encourage people to DM me, hit reply, you know, send me messages and I will, I will send you messages back and really talk about if it's a good fit for you. So most people did not sign up immediately, but they would send a message, share their whole life story, situation. Here's why I'm not sure if I'm a good fit. La la la. And I would send an audio back. I think that's huge. I did not just type out the responses. I got on that microphone, press mic and hold, and then use my tonsilless voice to explain why I think they'd be a good fit and talk to them about it. And Rob, Carrie, you know what's really funny? This is this is the funny part about launching. What converts people sometimes is the stuff you don't expect. Um, a lot of people message back, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you could send an audio DM on Instagram. Holy crap on toast. Like, thank you for letting me know that. I'm going to use that in the future. And I, I think because, I don't know, subconsciously, because they learned something new from me just in that, they figured they could learn something else from me and they joined. I love <laughs> hearing you talk about this because you're so scrappy about it. But, you know, we we talk to clients all the time or, or other copywriters who have launched things and the launch fails. And, you know, it's like, okay, what did you do for the launch? Well, I sent out emails to my list or whatever, but they don't necessarily get as scrappy as what you have done. And we've done some of these things as well, you know, a personalized 
videos for people that we want to join a program or that we think benefit. And so I love hearing you talk about that. So what was the result? Um, how many people did you get in your in your first launch? So I was going to be stoked if I had five, six people as a beta group right to test with. Um, and it ended with 16. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, that's it was, great. It was wild. And you get more motivated too because once you realize you can get six people, you realize you can get 10 people, um, it's sort of your confidence grows. So for me, projecting small actually mentally helps me because I have a personality where I like to beat out my goals. So looking too big, um, yeah, it's just a little bit harder for me mentally. Uh, I like to always beat those goals. And one thing Kira had said too, we had a call before I was during the launch and um, she encouraged me to like keep going for people in like this scrappy way, um, especially being a first launch, right? Because now I'm about to launch and it's very different. But um, people that had a lot of fear and pain points, um, I think old me a year ago would have gone, oh, no worries. I know it's not the right time. It's fine. And I would have let them go and hop away like baby bunnies. But I knew my program could help them. Like I knew my skill set would help them. And so I sent extra videos. Like dudes, they basically already said no. And I sent them, an- I would send another video. So this is one video. Um, she's, uh, I had met her through live events for a couple of years. She's like, oh, my time is so short right now. I'm working on my own launch. And I sent her a second video. Oh my gosh, so creepy. And I went, girl, I know you basically said no. And time is your worry. But I'm going to be honest, like you're actually launching. And so going through this process, it's going to be the best thing for your launch. And I'm going to be there. All of the program has ad libs, templates. I, I'm seriously spending so much time on them, which I did, right? Like I spent obsessive amounts of time on these templates I've made. Um, and it's going to be so easy for you. I promise. This is going to be like nothing you've ever done. And it's going to help with your launch. And I'm only sending you a second video because I feel like you're not doing it out of fear when it's really going to help you. And I sent it. And my heart went through my chest. Uh, and she joined. And she's now one of my testimonials where she literally says, I'm so thankful I joined your program. So guys, stalk people, um, especially when you know it's a good fit um, and you know you can help them. You really are helping them by nudging them lovingly along into your services. Yeah. I, th- I think the key here is that you're you're helping them, right? You're not just doing it to fill your program or to, to make money, but you're actually providing value, right? So, okay. So you mentioned that you're launching again. And I, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, happening next week, at least if you're listening to the podcast as it comes out. Uh, tell us what you're doing differently. Yeah. So here's what I'm doing differently. Round two. Round two is beautiful, y'all. Once you can do something once, you know you could do it again. It's like the first time uh, someone ever gave you money to write, which, you know, growing up, we might have heard starving artist or starving writer, you know, all this mental stuff that we might have heard. And then we get paid for it and we go, whoa, I can do it again and again. And we start seeing we can be paid to be writers. The same is true with the group program. Once the first one went through, even though I felt almost shock paralyzed. Wow, this actually worked. Um, And I saw the testimonials. I saw people's business changed. Like, 
oh my gosh, so many results I'm still flabbergasted by. I am doing things. It's more of a core, it's a course format in terms of the recordings. Because now that I've done all the modules, I've gotten the feedback and all the things, uh, and I'm not doing it step by step anymore like before, right? I was making it week to week. So now I'm actually pre recording. So it's going to be on Kajabi, a lot more fancy and legit. The first round was literally on Zoom calls via Facebook group, right? Like, because it was about the content, not the prettiness. So this time it will be pre recorded on Kajabi. And a few things I'm doing differently, though, are I saw in the first round what people struggled with a little bit more. So I, as a side note, <laughs> jokes, I added a section on how to name your stuff, how to, you know, name for fame, how to come up with names for your products, your packages, and your courses. And I thought, oh, since we're talking about these packages on your website, I'll throw this in. Sweet mercy and goldfish, y'all. They, people were like, oh my gosh, naming is so hard. And it became the Facebook group after. Almost every conversation was people talking about the framework I discussed on the call. And I realized that needs to be a whole other bonus. So if you're listening, you're going to have the opportunity. It is an expiring bonus um, that is I'm really fleshing out. So I will touch on naming in the program the way I did the first round. But I'm going to really create a, I've created this whole bonus that's like really deep on how to do naming um, because it's something it turned out people struggled with. And I think whether you're doing a group program or you're launching anything or any product, paying attention to that, like where do people really get stuck? Where do people go, wait, 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 I'm still confused. Wait, 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 this is so hard for me. And really paying attention to that. Um and creating stuff around it. So that's something I'm doing definitely differently. Uh, Also, a lot more is just pre-scheduled. Like all of the emails, now I have testimonials, so I'm using those to create emails. Uh, What's actually come up though, and I would love everyone to do, this is my challenge to you if you're listening. I want you to check back in with people that you've worked with, whether one-on-one, group, whatever, because because I'm launching again, I checked back in with some of my students and said, hey, how have things been going since the website? It's been live now for a lot of them, you know, five, yeah, about five, four or five months now, their websites have been live. And um, oh my gosh, they're telling me things. I would have had no idea. Like one girl said, oh, I booked this, I got a sales call from a huge name in our industry because literally she read my website. Someone else said, oh, I booked out two times the number of projects I expected as a photographer. Um, and people said it was because of my website. And so all these things, I had no idea. So my challenge to you is people you've worked with even five, six months ago, go back and ask them, hey, since I wrote that email sequence, uh, How's it been doing? Or since I did that sales page, what else has come up for you? Like you might get some crazy results. You have no idea. And you can totally use that in email content um, just for your own. Even if you have an email list of 50 people, you might send an email where you share that update and someone hires you because of it. 
All right, Allison, you know, last question here. It's going to be lightning round. We've covered so much in this conversation, but I want to cover um, one other question. So, you know, you have moved across the country this past year uh, while still running your business. Uh, so how, <laughs> how do you move and stay focused on your business and stay sane and healthy while dealing with something so personal as a move and all those changes that circle a move? Yes. Oh, man. This is this is where life gets real, right? And I think I, we see this people posting in the Copywriter Club and the Underground um, about these moments where you're like, I'm surrounded by boxes. It's midnight. I want to pound my face into this cardboard in front of me <laughs> because da-da-da. Um, and here... I My move actually went shockingly smooth. So I think the main... Like I had those moments, like I'm not going to lie, right? Where I'm tired and all the things and I had projects still going on. But I think a couple things that helped me move and yeah, stay pretty weirdly sane was one, I had already put in the time on my branding. I had put a lot of time when I had more energy to figure out my brand, write my website, hire the designer, do all these things. So by the time... I was moving, people were booking calls, uh, were booking set day rates, they were booking things without me having to ever actually get on sales calls. Like I wasn't getting on all these sales calls going back and forth because they could tell so much about me from my website. Uh, and especially that's our perk, whoop, whoop, as copywriters, people can tell a lot from our website since they're paying us to either teach them or write words for them. So it's such a beautiful thing when we really feel good about our website that that's done. So that was done too. Uh, I had a VA who she really has become my online business manager. And she had been working with me at that point about six months. Um, hiring her was definitely a leap and felt a little bit scary for me at first, for sure. Um, as a copywriter, I'm like, I'm the face of the business, right? When people email, they want to talk to me because I'm the one writing their words. Uh, it's a mental block. I have burned the ground and having a VA, if just even getting one for five, 10 hours a month, I mean, even just a small amount, you will be shocked what it can do in your business and the investment, even if it feels scary, it makes such a big difference especially because she'd already got to know my business. So by the time I was moving, I mean, she was like a little angel who had descended from the clouds into my life because she knew the business. And by the time I moved, I could tell her like, okay, I'm going offline to unpack and get things set up. And I brought her on for extra hours during that month. And she did, you know, she was forward, you know, able to talk with potential clients and students and all the things. So I would hire a VA sooner, like now. So when your life falls apart and you have to move, like you're moving and you're like, right, you're surrounded by boxes and you're trying, you're in JFK, oh my gosh, literally trying to juggle like three suitcases, um, that you know that your business is more taken care of. And most importantly, something you can also do right now, whether you're in a whole, in a really stressful time or one might happen eventually, is simplify your services. 
Um, because at that point I was pretty much only offering day rates. I wasn't doing a ton of from scratch anymore. And it was, uh, it was like really thankful. So charging more, having fewer clients and fewer types of services, not doing all the things. It is such a mental relief when you're going through a really challenging period, uh, especially a move. That is so, well, we've covered so much great stuff here in this interview and we even have other questions we didn't even start to talk about your new podcast but uh so we'll definitely have to have you come back at some point and chat about that as well but in the meantime if somebody wants to connect with you or if they want to find out about your program that you're launching here shortly where should they go so you can find me at allisonevelyn.com Allison Evelyn, and the same for my instagram except there's an underscore after evelyn because some chick also double Allison <laughs> already has the account. I'm sure she's super nice and lovely, but it ain't me. So that's how you find Instagram. Um, those are really the places I'm super prevalent. And then there's also a link I know we're going to add in the show notes uh, for my ad libs of, or I think we're adding. Okay, hopefully we're adding. <laughs> we are uh, now. <laughs> boom. Uh, how to add personality. It's also on my website. And I really encourage this. A lot of copywriters have said they find it really helpful because, again, it's hard to write like ourselves. So that's something that uh, I think if you're struggling with personality, how to write like yourself, and you just want some formulas, those are helpful. And that way, too, you can be aware of my launch because, yeah, dude, January 30th to February 9th, my car is opening um, with some expiring bonuses. And yeah, this program is going to be awesome and even more organized than last time. Like a lot, it's actually put together, <laughs> organized, and I'm just so excited for this next round of students. It's going to be exciting. And then the podcast is Brand with Bite, and that was also launched. It's been a year, but yeah, Brand with Bite, the podcast. Yep. And uh, Rob has a show, uh, an interview on your podcast. I have one that's coming out soon, so um, definitely check it out. Allison, thank you so much, and we wish you the best of luck with your upcoming launch. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.